This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Behind the Knife, the surgery podcast. Relevant and engaging content designed to help you dominate the day. Hello, Behind the Knife listeners. We're excited to announce the next addition to our Behind the Knife premium offerings, the Complex General Surgical Oncology Oral Board Review. This oral board review course includes 46 scenarios that meticulously cover all the SCORE CGSO topics on the Surgical Oncology Oral Board exam. Each scenario includes two parts. Part A is a perfectly executed oral board scenario that mimics the real thing. Scenarios are five to seven minutes long and include a variety of tactics and styles. If you are able to achieve this level of performance in your preparation, you are sure to pass the oral exam with flying colors. Part B introduces high yield commentary to each scenario. For those of you that used our General Surgery Oral Board Review Series, the format will be very familiar. When you hear this sound, that indicates the start of the high yield commentary. This commentary includes tips and tricks to help you dominate the most challenging scenarios in addition to practical, easy to understand teaching that covers the most confusing topics faced on the surgical oncology exam. Then, when you hear this sound, that indicates we're returning back to the exam scenario. We are confident that you will find this unique dual format approach a highly effective way to prepare for the test. I'm pleased to be joined by the lead editor for the project, Dr. Daniel Nelson. Dan, what led you to want to be involved in this project? Well, thanks, Jason. Yeah, I'd have to say this is a bit of a passion project. First, I've really enjoyed getting to be a part of Behind the Knife, but this really came down to identifying a need. As with many of the specialty boards, there just isn't much out there to help treaties prepare for the surgical oncology boards. So developing this course really came down to being about a lack of cost-effective, high-value board prep courses or materials out there to help with planning for trainees to take the surgical oncology certifying exam. The material you'll be provided was created, edited, and curated for trainees by some of the country's top surgical oncologists. We could not have done it without our amazing contributors, including Dr. Michael Alvarado, Unit Singh, Tim Vreeland, Chris Scally, Aaron Dawes, Mark Ferries, James Wu, Michael Ye, Christine Nembar, and Jonathan Abelson. All of these individuals have been contributors to Behind the Knife in the past and have a, have a deep passion for, for surgical education. While it is impossible to cover the entire breadth of surgical oncology and predict every iteration of every scenario you may be asked on the complex general surgical oncology boards, we sought to be as comprehensive as possible. We are extremely proud of the content and are confident you will find it to be an indispensable resource for your exam preparation. So don't forget to check out www.behindthenife.org for more high-yield surgical education content. You can also sign up for our newsletter, register for free CME, and even purchase some merchandise. If you enjoyed this example episode, be sure to visit our website, again, behindthenife.org, and navigate to the premium section. There you'll find the remainder of this review, our other oral board audio review content, as well as our companion books. For regular updates, follow us on Twitter, at Behind the Knife, 
and Instagram at Behind the Knife Podcast. Thanks for listening. Now go dominate the day. Behind the Knife Premium. Behind the Knife Complex General Surgical Oncology Board Review. Scenario Ductal Carcinoma in Situ. Developed by Michael Alvarado. Read by Jason Bingham and Daniel Nelson. You're asked to see a 62-year-old woman with a new diagnosis of ductal carcinoma in situ. She recently underwent a core biopsy for abnormal calcifications identified on screening mammogram. She has had regular screening for the past 10 years and has never had a biopsy and has no personal history of cancer. She is G2P2, started menses at age 13, and became menopausal at age 51. She has no family history of breast cancer. She is otherwise healthy and takes no medications. How would you like to proceed? Okay, with this history, I would start by performing a physical exam and concentrate on the breast exam, uh, checking for any palpable breast masses. Um, I'd also inspect the nipple areolar complex for any abnormal changes. And finally, I would check both the left and right axilla for adenopathy. The exam reveals no masses, no adenopathy, and the nipple areolar complex is normal. Okay, well, so at this point, I would, I would, um, I'd want to take a look at the mammogram myself and uh, assess the extent of the calcifications. Why would this be important? Well, the primary treatment for DCIS is uh, surgical excision. Uh, the two options for surgery are lumpectomy uh, and mastectomy. To be eligible for lumpectomy, lesion needs to be small enough to allow for a good cosmetic outcome. Uh, so if the lesion were too large, her best option may be a mastectomy. Okay. And the calcifications span approximately 1.5 centimeters in the upper outer quadrant. Okay. Um, do I have the uh, pathology report? Uh, for instance, what are the markers and, and the grade of the DCIS? The grade is intermediate and the DCIS is estrogen receptor positive. Okay. Um, then I would discuss with the patient her options. Uh, one option would be lumpectomy followed by radiation. Uh, the other option is mastectomy uh, with or without uh, immediate reconstruction. I would explain both are excellent options. She would uh, also be a candidate for anti-estrogen therapy for decreasing both uh, local recurrence as well as uh, prevention of a future breast cancer in the other breast. She wants to know if you are removing any of her lymph nodes. Well, typically for patients undergoing lumpectomy for DCIS, there's no indication for removing uh, lymph nodes uh, because I mean, by definition, DCS uh, uh, cannot metastasize. It's confined within the duct. Um, I would explain that there is a risk that her final pathology report might show a small invasive cancer. Um, in that case, we would discuss the possibility of a second surgery to perform a sentinel node procedure um, in order to uh, stage the breast cancer. She's interested in lumpectomy and wants to know more information about the radiation. Okay. So, well, I would explain that, you know, standard radiation is given uh, to the whole breast in daily treatments, uh, Monday through Friday, once a day for three weeks, typically. Uh, the radiation only lasts a few minutes and is generally very well tolerated. Um, there's some minor uh, fatigue associated with the radiation and possible some redness on the skin. Uh, however, with newer techniques, very little radiation affects uh, the heart or lungs. Okay. She wants to know if radiation is absolutely necessary. Well, the radiation is to help prevent um, a local recurrence, which uh, could either be another DCS or an invasive breast cancer. Generally speaking, the risk of local recurrence without radiation is somewhere around 20%. Radiation typically lowers the risk by 50% on average. Um, so her risk of a local recurrence would be you know, 10% or less at 10 years. Okay. Can her pathology report better estimate her individual risk of local recurrence after lumpectomy? 
Well, her, her DCIS is intermediate grade in less than two centimeters. So I would estimate her risk to be at approximately 15% at 10 years, as long as she um, had uh, at least two to three millimeter margins after her lumpectomy. Any other way to get an individual risk other than the pathology report? Well, after the lumpectomy, her DCS could be sent for genomic assay. Um, there are two assays currently being used. The One is the Oncotype DCIS and the other is the Decision RT. The Oncotype tells the baseline risk without radiation or endocrine therapy. With this information, you can um, assume a 50% reduction with radiation. The Decision RT actually tells whether a patient would receive any benefit from radiation. Um, either of these could be used to help determine the risk and the benefits of radiation. Okay. Um, she'd like to know what stage her cancer is. Uh, so she actually has stage zero or what you might call pre-cancer. Okay. And she asks if treatment is absolutely necessary if this is a stage zero. Uh, currently, the standard of care is surgical resection, but there are clinical trials that allow for surveillance. Um, the Comet trial is currently enrolling patients for surveillance uh, without surgery. Thank you. Be sure to listen to Part B for high-yield commentary and other tips and tricks. Behind the Knife Premium. Behind the Knife, Complex General Surgical Oncology Board Review. Scenario, Ductal Carcinoma in Situ. Developed by Michael Alvarado, read by Jason Bingham and Daniel Nelson. You're asked to see a 62-year-old woman with a new diagnosis of ductal carcinoma in situ. She recently underwent a core biopsy for abnormal calcifications identified on screaming mammogram. She has had regular screening for the past 10 years and has never had a biopsy and has no personal history of cancer. She is G2P2 started menses at age 13, and became menopausal at age 51. She has no family history of breast cancer. She is otherwise healthy and takes no medications. How would you like to proceed? Okay, with this history, I would start by performing a physical exam and concentrate on the breast exam, uh, checking for any palpable breast masses. Um, I'd also inspect the nipple areolar complex for any abnormal changes. And finally, I would check both the left and right axilla for adenopathy. The exam reveals no masses, no adenopathy, and the nipple areolar complex is normal. Okay. Well, so at this point, I would, I would, um, I'd want to take a look at the mammogram myself and uh, assess the extent of the calcifications. And why would this be important? Well, the primary treatment for DCIS is uh, surgical excision. Uh, the two options for surgery are lumpectomy uh, and mastectomy. To be eligible for lumpectomy, the lesion needs to be small enough to allow for a good cosmetic outcome. Uh, so if the lesion were too large, her best option may be a mastectomy. Okay. And the calcifications span approximately 1.5 centimeters in the upper outer quadrant. Okay. Um, do I have the uh, pathology report? Uh, for instance, what are the markers and, and the grade of the DCIS? The grade is intermediate, and the DCIS is estrogen receptor positive. Okay. Um, then I would discuss with the patient her options. Uh, one option would be lumpectomy followed by radiation. Uh, the other option is mastectomy uh, with or without uh, immediate reconstruction. I would explain both are excellent options. She would uh, also be a candidate for anti-estrogen therapy for decreasing both uh, local recurrence as well as uh, prevention of a future breast cancer in the other breast. She wants to know if you are removing any of her lymph nodes. 
Well, typically for patients undergoing lumpectomy for DCIS, there's no indication for removing uh, lymph nodes uh, because by definition, DCS uh, uh, cannot metastasize. It's confined within the duct. Um, I would explain that there is a risk that our final pathology report might show a small invasive cancer. Um, in that case, we would discuss the possibility of a second surgery to perform a sentinel node procedure um, in order to uh, stage the breast cancer. Risk of upgrade to invasive breast cancer at final pathology was 22% in a study using the National Cancer Database published in JAMA Surgery 2017. Factors associated with upgrade include high-grade, larger tumors, and estrogen receptor-negative DCIS. Typically, sentinel node is offered for patients undergoing mastectomy for DCIS because lymphatic drainage is permanently altered. She's interested in lumpectomy and wants to know more information about the radiation. Okay. So, well, I would explain that, you know, standard radiation is given uh, to the whole breast in daily treatments, uh, Monday through Friday, once a day for three weeks, typically. Uh, the radiation only lasts a few minutes and is generally very well tolerated. Um, there's some minor uh, fatigue associated with the radiation and possible some redness on the skin. Uh, however, with newer techniques, very little radiation affects uh, the harder lungs. Okay. She wants to know if radiation is absolutely necessary. Well, the radiation is to help prevent um, a local recurrence, which uh, could either be another DCS or an invasive breast cancer. Generally speaking, the risk of local recurrence without radiation is somewhere around 20%. Radiation typically lowers the risk by 50% on average. Um, so her risk of a local recurrence would be you know, 10% or less at 10 years. NSABP B17 randomized women to radiation or surveillance after breast conserving surgery for DCIS. Risk of recurrence was 8.9% versus 19.4% at 10 years. There was no difference in survival. Okay. Can her pathology report better estimate her individual risk of local recurrence after lumpectomy? Well, her, her DCIS is intermediate grade and less than two centimeters. So I would estimate her risk to be at approximately 15% at 10 years, as long as she um, had uh, at least two to three millimeter margins after her lumpectomy. There have been two clinical trials that looked at trying to identify women with low risk DCIS who could avoid radiation, ECOG-5194 and RTOG-9804. Both trials used clinical and pathologic features to try and identify low-risk patients. For ECOG-5194, low risk was defined as less than 2.5 centimeters in size, low in intermediate grade, and margins of at least 3 millimeters. 12-year results showed a local recurrence risk of 14% without radiation. For RTOG-9804, low risk was defined as less than 2.5 centimeters, low or intermediate grade DCIS, and at least 3 millimeter margins. Median tumor size in this trial was only 5 millimeters, and risk of recurrence without radiation was 7% at 15 years. Any other way to get an individual risk other than the pathology report? Well, after the lumpectomy, her DCS could be sent for genomic assay. Um, there are two assays currently being used. The One is the Oncotype DCIS and the other is the Decision RT. The Oncotype tells the baseline risk without radiation or endocrine therapy. With this information, you can um, assume a 50% reduction with radiation. The Decision RT actually tells whether a patient would receive any benefit from radiation. Um, either of these could be used to help determine the risk and the benefits of radiation. 
Okay. Um, she'd like to know what stage her cancer is. Uh, so she actually has stage zero or what you might call pre-cancer. Okay. And she asks if treatment is absolutely necessary if this is a stage zero. Uh, currently, the standard of care is surgical resection, but there are clinical trials that allow for surveillance. Um, the Comet trial is currently enrolling patients for surveillance uh, without surgery. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Behind the Knife Premium Oral Board Review. Dominate the day. Be sure to check out our website at www.behindthenife.org for more great content. You can also follow us on Twitter at Behind the Knife and Instagram at Behind the Knife Podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a review. Content produced by Behind the Knife is intended for health professionals and is for educational purposes only. We do not diagnose, treat, or offer patient-specific advice. Thank you for listening. Until next time, dominate the day.